What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Run Happy Podcast. I'm Baxter Friedman. And I'm Charlie Rook, and this is a podcast for people that want to improve themselves as runners as well as people, and always run happy. Let's get into it. All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Run Happy Podcast. Today, we are here with Ryan Adams. Dude, how are you doing, man? Doing all right, doing all right. Glad to be here. Yeah. yeah, man, we're glad to have you. Um, why don't you start off by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, how long you've been running, and, um, you know, quick, quick little summary. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so like I said, I'm Ryan Adams. I, uh, I'm originally from Ohio, grew up, in, grew up there, born and raised, uh, ended up going to Furman University in South Carolina, was there for six years, uh, graduated completely in uh, uh, June of 21, uh, signed with Atlanta Track Club, was there for about a year and a half until earlier this year. Kind of went solo, trained back my college coach again, and then uh, ended up signing a contract with UA Baltimore uh, pretty recently. So been affili- affiliated with them for about two or three months now, and uh, it's been pretty sweet. So that's the short story right there. Nice. So yeah, just just signed a couple of months ago. Wow. that's that's uh, How's that transition been? I, it's been pretty smooth. I mean, uh, thankfully, the guys have been pretty gracious. You know, it, it, it's always a... Uh, uh, it's tough going from one program to another, whether that's just learning different training or different, uh, different ways that different customs or something like that. So, um, so it's been pretty good so far. I mean, like one, one nice thing is, um, Corey Leslie is the coach and I, and I've known Corey since, uh, and he was my cross country camp counselor in 2011. So, uh, way back when I was a kid. Well, that's nice. Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to have a long connection like that from back in 2011, that's kind of cool. Like a full, little full circle moment coming back. Oh there. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, if you if you don't mind us asking, so you originally signed with what a a team a team in Atlanta out of that's right, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta Track Club. So what what uh, why did you end up parting ways with them? If you if you're all right talking about that, no, for sure, yeah. I mean, like it was uh, uh it just wasn't a place for me. I I think um I'm kind of a small town boy, so a uh, big city like Atlanta was. A little daunting, especially after uh, like spending my time in Greenville, South Carolina, which is a small city. So I think like part of it was the city environment. Uh, part of it was I, I don't know if the training was optimal for me. It was pretty uh, high intensity, low volume, and uh, uh, and uh, there was I wouldn't blame it solely on the training. There was a couple incidents, like I had a car accident that ended up leading to an injury that kept me out for my first indoor season. What would have my first pro indoor season? Um, and then coming back from that kind of had a compensatory injury that took out my outdoor season. And then kind of after the third injury took out my indoor season earlier this year, uh, I kind of decided, you know, it's, uh, no, no hate, no, uh, nothing but appreciation for the opportunity that they gave me, but it's just not the place for me. So I, I ended up, um, uh, parting ways with them a little earlier than I had planned, but it kind of seems to have been working out so far. So. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, signing with Under Armour that must have been pretty big. And like, how did how did that like? I mean, I know you said you you knew Corey already, but was there like, like how did you how did you find the the Baltimore running group? Yeah, so Corey actually reached out to me. So um, beyond just going back to the Ohio days with Corey, um, he was on Furman Elite. Uh, his last year in Furman Elite was my first year with Furman Collegiate. So uh, his college coach and professional coach was my college coach. Um, Robert Gary and Robert also trained me uh, when I when I had left Atlanta Track Club. He was training me remote while I was living down here in Mexico for uh, the majority of this year. So um, ended up having pretty good showing uh, and races south of the border, won two national titles, um, 
back in July and uh, started racing a little bit and um, back in the States once, once I came back and uh, Corey just reached out and was like, Hey man, like, you know, can I give you a call? I just would love to, um, to pitch you what's going on in, in Baltimore is pretty exciting. We got a good thing going. Um, you know, not, again, like no Corey for, Corey for a long time. So although I was a little wary of, you know, talking to different coaches, um, just having a lot of similarities from Ohio background to both having been trained by Robert for a significant portion of our careers. Um, I think that kind of laid a foundation of trust where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm willing to hear, hear this out and um, see what you guys have to offer. Yeah. So uh, who, who's Robert? Robert is the, um, is the current Furman uh, uh, head coach, running head coach, uh, sorry, track and cross country head coach. He was the Ohio state, um head distance coach when Corey was at ohio state okay all right cool so like y'all i mean that is that's another connection between y'all two so that's that's cool yeah i mean well i mean we've talked about adjustments a little bit there so you went from ohio to south carolina so what was uh you know we haven't we haven't asked this question a little bit so um going back to your college days what was you know what was one of the driving forces that led you to um Furman? Oh, i mean one of the big driving forces for every uh, high school student scholarship, like uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I was like I could come out as uh, at a school with six figures of debt, or I could come out with with no debt, and um and Furman, I actually initially Furman did not offer me a fool, um, uh, they offered me half scholarship from what I'd run my junior of co- or excuse me junior of high school, and I remember sitting down with Robert um on my visit and he's he's pretty direct you know kind of uh cut to the chase kind of guy so he put a sheet of paper in front of me and was just like we can offer you this right now but if you run these times uh your senior year will bump you up to 75 percent. if you're on these times we'll bump you up to full and i saw that and compared to the other offers that I'd, i had been getting before which were um, kind of like, Hey, we can give, give you like a portion and then maybe by your senior year, you can hop on a full. I was like, Hey, you know what? Like, I know I can work hard and I know I can take this opportunity and run with it literally. So, uh, I did, I ended up hitting the marks that they had set out before me and, uh, by I think statement my senior year. So finished off well, uh, and really nice not having to pay a dime, but I honestly also another reason beyond just the money, because, you know, uh, like it is, it is a big thing. Um, but one thing was actually Corey being down there um, was a big influence because for Ohio high schoolers, especially at the time, you know, Corey was a legend. So I just was like, man, I can train with, uh, with one of my, uh, one of the guys I've looked up to since I started running um, and, uh, and potentially with Elite being there, that was always an option to continue uh, running pro after college if the opportunity presented itself. I got you. So it was basically like you saw how like you saw the connections and then you also saw that you could go further with running through Furman. So that's why you chose Furman. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And um, so I guess going back to the high school parts of all of that, you said you saw the, the times you needed to hit to find or to get the scholarship money and everything. And in your mind, were you just like, all right, great. Now I know what I need to hit senior year. Or were you just like, OK, we'll try to work on it or. Like what was kind of going through your mind whenever like your senior year happened and you knew you needed to hit those times? Yeah, no, I mean, like uh, as soon as those times were on the, like as soon as I was given those times, because I took, I was pretty late and I, I mean, I'm a chronic procrastinator. So uh, I did a lot of my college visits in the early spring of my senior year, which is just, 
uh, you know, it's not limitless. It's kind of crunch time. So they gave me the times and I basically just wrote them on a piece of paper and um, stuck them on, on my bulletin board. And I was like, all right, this one I need to run. Uh, and it was, it was a high ask. I mean, I ended up breaking the division two state record to get that full ride. So um, in the 1600. So that was, uh, it, it was not an easy, uh, easy goal, but it was uh, certainly one that pushed me towards that. And I think it also kind of set the precedent for myself as an athlete with my coaches to show, Hey, you know, if you give me the goal, if you give me the mark, then I'm willing to put in the work to, to get there. That's awesome. Yeah. I really like that mentality. I mean, it, it kind of strikes me like you're someone that, um, does well with pressure. Do you think is that kind of the case? Do you like, um, <laughs> yeah, you're someone that like thrives more in the, in the bigger moments or like when, you know, there might be expectation of you. What yeah, do you think? I, I think for better or worse. I mean, like, you know, in, in college, uh, I, I'm sure, well, I hope you guys know, don't know how it is, but uh, I don't remember one paper I didn't write the night or I didn't write the night before. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> again, like I said, chronic procrastinator. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think sometimes when the pressure's on, uh, it, yeah, it provides that kind of extra push and motivation. So, uh, yeah, I, I think um, sometimes those, peaceful times can uh can kind of soften you up a little bit i got you that, that's that's really interesting to hear uh we we honestly have not heard that too often to um because more it seems like more people uh thrive whenever there's no pressure um mm. but like how how do you like i know you kind of explained that a little bit but could you kind of go further in depth with how like your mind works whenever there's pressure yeah um i mean maybe I'll amend myself. I, I think it's, it's good at times, but you can't live that way 24 seven. Um, you can only be on, on the razor's edge for so long. Um, so it's really choosing those times to apply that kind of pressure. I mean, like throughout, I'll use my senior year example when I was shooting for that, for that time throughout the regular season, I wasn't thinking I need to hit this right now, right now, right now. It was kind of like, Hey, I just got to do what I'm doing. I got to got to keep on training. I had a good coach that was fairly knowledgeable. Um, actually, yeah, no, I was scratch that. Like, he's probably one of the better, uh, best high school coaches in Ohio. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll brag on him for a second. Craig Roof, I'll give him a shout out. He, uh, he's trained state champions all the way from the 100 through the, to the 1600. I don't think, I don't think he has a 3200 champ yet, but, um, I'm like, that's a pretty wide variety of range for a high school coach. And, um, so I just, went through that season of, I just got to trust what he's doing. And I know that under his training throughout my entire college career, I always had my best races in the postseason. So I was just like, all right, like, you know, this, I'm going to leave this to, um, in Ohio, it's district regional state. Um, so I'm like, I'm going to leave this to the last three races. And that's not a lot of like, not a ton of opportunities to hit what I need to hit, but, um, all, like, I know I just need one good swing at it. So, um, so I think it's good to have that, that pressure if it's controlled and manageable. And I'll give another kind of counter example, my sixth year at Furman, the entire season I was chasing an OTQ in the 1500 and ended up qualifying based on rank um, because I was about a 10th of a second off. But, um, but I ended up running probably like 11 or 12, 1500s between January and June of that year, which is, I'm um, just a lot of racing, a lot of traveling. So, uh, by the end of that, I was pretty burnt. I was pretty tired. I was like, man, I, I have been chasing this. And thankfully I ended up qualifying for 
um, the Olympic trials back when I was affiliated with the U S um, and it was really cool being there, but um, I definitely felt that fatigue um, by NCAAs by the trials because we had just been chasing and chasing and chasing for probably five months. Um, so it was just kind of probably a little too long to be applying that kind of pressure. I get that. Um, yeah. And like with, with us traveling so much and like, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, like choose your battles. Uh, mm. It's like another good way to say it. And yeah. Um, just learning how to apply like that, that mentality to it. And like, I know we're, we're kind of asking the same question a lot, but like whenever you get in that pressure, like in that race, like what is that mentality that goes, goes on uh, during the race? Or do you even think about it? Do you even think about pressure during the race? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not during a race, kind of during a race. It's like, you know, it's kind of, I guess it depends. So pressure also varies. So for example, like I was unsponsored for the majority, majority of this year. Uh, my first race back in the States was the guardian mile to Cleveland, um, just a road mile. And in the last 400, I was sitting third. Uh, Johnny Gregoric had lived up to his nickname and uh, jetted off <laughs> with four to go. And, and, you know, it was pretty clear that he was going to take that dub, but um, I was running neck and neck with um, Amon Kemboy and literally all I was thinking down that last hundred meters was I need money. Like, you know, like, I love um, that. And uh, that's, it, it is a bit of a difference of when you're in college, when you're pro where it's like, Hey, like you gotta eat. And if you want to eat, you got to perform well. So um, I think that's one of the few times I can actually like think like, yeah, I need this. Um, whereas in the past, um, I don't know, maybe like still in, like for Mexican champs, um, there was, uh, it's not quite as deep as the U S but there's some pretty hard hitters in there. And then the last 200 to the 1500, all, all I was thinking was, man, like I've earned this, I deserve this. And if I finish first here, then that this is just going to open up so many doors for me. So, um, but then there's plenty of other races where, I am not thinking because you guys know what it is to have like that cloud, that cloudy frontal lobe, the, uh, the tunnel vision, kind of the lactate you can taste. And it's just like, Oh, like I'm not thinking about anything, but just like, I just got to stay on my feet. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, yeah, I completely get that. And honestly, like, I mean, thinking about races is, or thinking during races is a hard thing to do, but, um, yeah, you saying that like, it, it's hard to think clearly, I guess, during your race, um, but do you ever have those negative thoughts in, in a race? Um, and like, how do you, how do you counter that? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's the longer the race, the more likely the negative thoughts will come. I mean, uh, I definitely prefer, I prefer that eight fifteen. Um, but I, in, in college, you know, you're on eight K's, 10 K's, um, for cross. And, um, I think, uh, see, I, I read it. So one of the, one of the books I read at a pretty young age that was pretty influential on my approach to training was called Tra um, slaying the dragon. And it was written by Michael Johnson, um, probably like sometime in the early two thousands. And, you know, even though it's a sprinter, there's a lot of great, um, uh, a lot of great mental strength lessons from there. So, um, a lot of what he was talking about was essentially just, reorienting your perspective so say if it's like pre-race nerves like just even saying to yourself like oh i'm not nervous i'm excited um or you know like i'm like i know that nick willis like has said something similar of like 
any race where I haven't felt nervous beforehand, I haven't done well. So, um, but like mid race, you know, when it's like, when you're hurting, um, one thing that's always helped me is, uh, just knowing like that whole, uh, Oh, what's, I'm going to totally butcher this. There's that one Navy SEAL rule where it's like the 60% or whatever, you know, most people give about 60% of their, their full effort. Um, you know, and I'll argue that runners aren't most people we're, we're a pretty tough breed despite being skinny. Um, uh-huh. but, um, but one thing I had heard also from a young age is, you know, there's always something that's left in there. There's always one last well to tap into, especially at the end of a race when you're hurting. So, um, you know, uh, if you're already hurting, then what's well, a little more hurt. Um, so I, I, I think it's something that comes with a lot of racing, um, and experience, um, uh, you know, like that toughness just kind of builds like the task never, the task at hand never becomes easier. You just become stronger and more capable of tackling it. Yeah. I like that a lot. I mean, people fall into the trap of like, um, sometimes it will even be something as simple as like, I got, I got a new pair of spikes. Uh, and like now I, now, because now I'm going to run much faster and it's going to be much Mm. easier when I do it. And like, I remember, I remember that happened to me. Like I got like, I was racing, I raced a mile in sprinter spikes because I, I didn't know any better. Um, when I was younger and then like, I got a pair of dragonflies the next week, uh, like a week later. And like the guy's telling me, my dad's telling me like, Oh, now you've got these, like, you know, your, your time's going to fly down. You're going to feel better. And I was like, you know, I got out there and, um, yes, I, I PR, but like just, <clears throat> and like, it was not easier. Yeah. Like no, <laughs> yeah. And no part of that race felt any easier. Um, and so, yeah, people absolutely fall into that trap. I mean, that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. So do you, are, before races, are you kind of, um, like a, a man of routine or like, do you, do you have things you like to say to yourself or like, um, we've been talking a lot about like visualization. Do you like doing stuff like that? You know, what, what, what sort of stuff do you like to do? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, a I'm a textbook overthinker, so, uh, I probably go through as many scenarios as I can possibly contemplate before a race you know of like um again another principle kind of taken from the michael johnson book uh, i just would highly recommend to anyone that uh uh like it's it's kind of generalized towards pursuing goals but um it's easier to relate to as, as a track athlete um but visualizing both both best and worst case scenarios and whatever comes in between um so uh so i'd say like a lot of visualization beforehand try to think of what potential splits might be, especially if there's a rabbit in the race, it's a little easier to, um, you know, to kind of predict those splits, but you know, I mean, roll of thumb rabbits never get, is never going to be on unless you're like at a diamond league or something. Um, or I shouldn't say that, you know, I've had a uh, Craig Nowak pace pirate, uh, pace a couple of my races before and that dude, uh, I mean, he's on no matter what. So you can like, there's, there's guys you can trust on there. Um, but it'll give you an idea of approximately where you're going to be at and you can kind of, picture where you want to be inside that race. Um, a lot of times uh, I've had good coaches, you know, whether that's Robert, um, you know, I, I haven't had, uh, I haven't raced yet under Corey, but I mean, so far he's been great during workouts and great uh, in meetings. So I can only imagine that he's going to be good pre-race giving me um, uh, pointers, you know, but Robert in certain races would be like, Hey, like, you know, I, I don't want you to be outside of the top three or sometimes it'd be like, Hey, like kind of sit middle of the pack. And then, the last 600, I want you to start making your move, make like make your move towards the front. And then, um, 
put yourself in a position to kick. So that kind of takes a lot of the stress off of me for creating my own strategies is having coaches that um, are training me and are also familiar with my fitness and my body and, uh, and can kind of give me those pointers and just kind of trusting me and, and what they're saying. So kind of meditating on that for like pre-race rituals. I just, I've done pretty much the same warm routine since like my freshman year at Furman. Um, it's nice because I can kind of just turn my brain off and do it. And, uh, you know, and, and it's almost like, it just makes it almost like another day of practice um, until I show up to, until I'm on the line. Um, but other than that, rituals, uh, I've read Psalm 18 pretty much before every race uh, since early high school. Um, and uh, the playlist varies, but uh, I'd say that's probably been the one consistent uh uh, like consistent, I don't know if you want to call that media or passage or something like that. That's been, uh, that I've read. So is it Psalm, Psalm 18? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What, what, uh, what, what verse is that? Uh, so, uh, I, I would read the entirety. It's, um, it's David's, uh, it's David's praise to the Lord after being delivered from the hand of Saul. So there is, um, kind of towards, I want to say verse, 40 ish there is uh, it goes he makes my feet like the feet of the deer he enables me to stand upon the heights he broadens the path beneath my feet so my ankles do not turn um so you know very very runner applicable yeah um, i love that even, even taking it out of context a little bit but yeah it's all right <laughs> no, no, that's still that's awesome i love that um and it's yeah it kind of it makes you feel i guess more connected to god so mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's pretty cool um and so i guess going uh I, if you don't mind me asking a couple questions about that, like how has Christianity like helped you through racing and like in through life in general? Hmm. Um, so I went to a, a Christian school um, from pre-K through uh, senior year of high school, um, Chicago, our first chapel of Christian school in Akron, Chicago Valley Christian Academy in Chicago Falls. Um, I think there was a lot of, just a lot of good principles that were, uh, that were taught. My, I, my coaches, in high school, one thing I did appreciate is they were never to, they never focused too hard on, on performance. It was, uh, you know, it was always, Hey, like the principles that you learn through running are what are going to make you a better man are what's going to bring you closer to God. So I think that I've, <laughs> I've always said that running is, is the Bible sport. Um, you know, maybe, uh, Maybe you could argue like boxing or something like that because because uh, Paul mentions boxing, but I think that running is the one that's the most mentioned, and it's just a good way to visualize visualize your walk where you have to do you're doing everything on your own, um, you are you know you're training on your own, you're racing on your own, you're, you're scored on your own, but you're but it helps or it doesn't help. It's it's necessary to be with people that are also doing things on their own, and that's kind of how you put your team together. Um, and at that point, you know, iron sharpens iron. Uh, I, there's a lot of great principles, um, throughout the Bible that can be applied to running. Um, and I think when you're applying them to running, it kind of feeds back into, uh, your relationship with God. And, but like one, one thing I'm just thinking, like, you know, I, my fifth year, I was, um, my fourth and fifth year, I was captain of the, uh, for cross country, uh, cross country and like one, uh, one, Proverb, I would always say, uh, Proverbs 1, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like Proverbs 1, maybe 2, Proverbs 1, 2, I think, where it's like the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And I would be like, all right, guys, fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And right now, God is the cross-country course. 
And if you're not going into this afraid, then you will get eaten up and buried. Like, so, um, I mean, again, there's sometimes you take an out of context to apply it to situations, but um, all in all, I, I, I think it's been incredibly valuable to me to, to have that and to realize that my worth as a person doesn't come from my performances or my being a runner. It comes from uh, the fact that I'm like everyone else made in the image of God. Dude, I, yeah, that is, that is beautifully said. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Whenever I, or during senior year of high school for me, whenever I would race, I would put a ton of pressure on myself thinking like, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to show people that like, this is who I am. And, you know, like this, this, it like getting consumed with running is my personality kind of thing. And then coming mm-hmm. to Mississippi college is kind of like, help me take a deep breath and realize like, you know, running is not like all I am. Like I'm my number one priority should be to get closer to God and to, to share him uh, and live more like him. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. And it, it takes pressure off of you. It takes pressure off of me whenever I race, knowing that like whatever happens, it's okay because you know, mm-hmm. just I'm, I'm with God. Um, but yeah, so um, I guess moving on a little bit, talking about racing and everything, um, you are a sub four miler. You've been uh, for quite some time, but whenever that first happened, like, what can you take us through that that first race as a sub four miler? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll set the stage a little bit. You know, I'm not gonna do the whole thing where it's like starting. You know, July 25th, 1996. I emerged from the womb or anything like that. But uh, uh, so actually, my freshman year at Furman, um, I remember saying to the guys like, I want to be. Um, I want to hit like sub four this year and you know, maybe a little, little ambitious. I came out of, out of high school with a 407, 1600 PB. So um, even that was a little shy of a mile, but I remember they had asked like, are you talking about conversion or are you talking about proper sub four? And I was like, I honestly, whichever comes first, I just want to run fast. Um, so uh, they kind of laughed, laughed me off a little bit. And uh, I actually ended up finishing that outdoor season with a, 342 low 1500 which was my first sub four conversion um and in my mind i'm like great first conversion out of the way like next track season we got it um and kind of like the next indoor season i was a little banged up um from kind of taking winter training a little too hard um so i didn't quite hit where i wanted to hit um my third year i was studying abroad so didn't have an indoor season my fourth year I had the flu during my sub four opportunity. So I remember <laughs> going out to Vanderbilt uh, and I really went for it, uh, but I ended up running about a four thirty one or something like that. Um, my splits were like 60, 60, 70, 80. Um, so a uh, pretty humbling experience. Um, and uh, so I actually didn't, even though I hit my first sub four conversion, my freshman year at Furman, I didn't hit my first actual sub four um, until my fifth year indoors. That was back in January of 2020. And that was at Vanderbilt at the same track where I had uh, <laughs> had that regrettable mile experience that is a bit of a scar on my teethers, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, it tells the story. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I showed up on that day and um, I had come off the best cross country season in my life. Like we, um, we had, I, we had ultimately hit, hit our goal. Like I, I, um, as a fifth year, I wanted to, I wanted to qualify a team out to nationals and I wanted us to be top 20. Um, we ended up finishing 14th as a team and I had finishing all American. So I knew that 
I was fit and I was ready. And I knew from the previous years that I had strong showings in the 1500. So I was like, it's just at this point, you know, I just kind of got to get over this hump. And it was a, it was a fun race. It was a good race. Uh, Dave Milner is a race director that puts on a lot of races throughout um, the Nashville area. And um, I got to say that uh, that guy has probably witnessed the most first sub four miles of any person in the United States. Um, Ironically, since he's English, but yeah, no, it was just a well set up race. We had, um, there was two different rabbits. One was with Atlanta track club and then one was on my team. So um, I just followed our rabbit because I knew that he was going to be taking me through in 158 and he was pretty much right on. Thank you, Jake Ogden. Um, he was my training partner for like five years. So, um, and uh, when it came to about 400 to go, I pushed past um, Abe Alvarado, who ended up being my teammate in Atlanta. Um, and uh, I was like, man, like not only am I going to go like sub four here, but I'm going to win this race. Like this is going to be awesome. I'm going to have this nice early season U.S. number one. And then all of a sudden with 60 left, I'd see Waleed Suleiman just fly by me and i'm like oh you're kidding me <laughs> like um but you know he he finished he won that race about a 356 uh mid or something like 356 high and i was uh 357.6 so was able to finally break that barrier and buy a significant portion and uh you know i i would like to point out like <laughs> that was before dragonflies so that was in uh in mambas um so uh not that anyone's you know i don't want to diminish anyone else's uh achievements or their sub fours but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a little something you said so um but it was uh it was very cathartic um after a, quite a few years of hitting that conversion time and just not being in a place where i was ready to deliver um during the indoor season where you really run all your miles um uh it was like all right like finally we've like we've hit it and and at this point now, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> to to be at this level, that's kind of like your minimum standard is like, okay, like if you're not in shape to run some four at some point throughout the season, you're probably not going to be competitive at the uh, professional level. So, but yeah, no, it was it was pretty special. Um, I think everyone's uh, your first sub four is the uh, uh, is always something to be celebrated. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I love that story, especially because like, yeah, you hear about. Uh, you run the 342 and you come in and run a 431 uh, or like the 342 conversion. Then you come run a 431. And then, I mean, even the, even the story of the race getting hot with 60 left is hilarious. This oh, um, yeah, yeah. is the absolute perfect moment in your head. This is it. This is my, like, this is my gold moment. And then this absolute, you know, this uh, he's, he, he's racing too, I guess, but like, you know, um, this guy to the right is, you know, comes over and takes it. That's hilarious. But I mean, that 430, you, say, you, you didn't even realize that um you were gonna go sub four did you you didn't think that oh i thought i was I, I i'm pretty sure i knew i was on pace and i felt i still felt like strong the last 200 so um i remember seeing my coach um right on the curve uh saying like like essentially just like just don't fall over <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, all right like i can do that so um so like i i, I was I had a lot of expectations on that day, but I think also um, I was at the point where I was like, you know what? I just want to enjoy this. I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much, too much pressure on this. Uh, you know, this is an opening meet, but, uh, but I want to enjoy it. And if it is my first step four, then I really want to savor it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did you expect going in? Um, was that like the goal with the rabbits and stuff? Yeah. Did you expect yeah. It was, it was, it was the goal. 
you know, yeah. and it's like, you, ne- you can never really anticipate how a race will go. Um, you know, even if there are rabbits, you know, you never know if someone's going to take it out even harder or if someone, or if the rabbits aren't going to pull through, like, I'll say Jake was right on. So, um, like exactly what I needed him to be. So, and I was still sitting like when he pulled off, like, I think I was still sitting like fourth or something like that. So that was good. Um, really good pacing on his part, not to get sucked into other pacers and other racers and what they were doing and kind of focusing on what he had to do on that day. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, I mean, that's, that's, that's what good teammates are for. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. A good pace job like that. I want to talk about that 430 real quick, just because I think it's a good story. So when, when you did run it, obviously that was probably a pretty humbling, pretty low moment. How did you, how were you able to come back from that? Uh, like mentally, you know, what, what did you do? Was it just getting yourself right back into training? Did you have to have conversations with coaches? What, you know, what, what, what was it for you? Oh man. Okay. I'll try to, I'll try not to drag this one out. Cause I'd say that there's been kind of two points in my life where I've been pretty down in the dumps. Um, early 2019 was one and earlier this year was one. And those were definitely the, those kind of crossroads moments in your life where, where you're like, okay, I can continue on with what I'm doing right now, or I can just be done. So back then, there was just a lot of like personal issues going on. Uh, I I think one of the reasons why I got so sick is because in the fall, I, I was probably averaging maybe like two or three hours of sleep that that fall. So I had a great season somehow because uh, when you're young, you can do that. Once you hit a certain age, you're just like, oh, now like sleep's important. Rolling your ankle <laughs> it hurts a lot more and you don't come back as quickly from it. So um, yeah, when I was like, once I turned 25, I just started having like low back stuff. And I was like, really? I'm still young. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, that was, I had a really good, a really good uh, kind of rust buster workout the week before even, and I, I probably shouldn't have run it. I, I ran it with fever and uh, I kind of downplayed it to my coach because I didn't want to miss it. Um, Cause I kind of felt like at that point, a lot of things hadn't gone right for me. So I'm like, I've got something to prove here. So after that workout, we had a 10 mile cool down. My coach was like, if you're feeling a little rough, maybe you should just do like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I got it. Like ran five miles out and was immediately like, this was just a horrible mistake. <laughs> like, <laughs> stopped so many times on the way back. It took such a long time to get back. And uh, so by the time I landed up the race, you know, I had it in my mind of like, it doesn't matter. Mind over matter. And, you know, w- went out with a rabbit and at 800, I was like, wow, people are making moves. Everyone was making moves. And after like the fifth person passed me, I was like, ah, no, I'm just falling, falling behind, <laughs> dropping them, dropping like a rock. So after that point, there was a slow buildup to kind of, to get back from the flu, just to get back healthy again. I had a decent indoor conference and I, but I kind of ran through a, um, what was pretty m- kind of minor injury. And after racing five races, uh, I couldn't really walk the day after. And, that was kind of like a pretty hard blow for me after a rough season, after just a rough season of life um, beyond running. And I remember going back home. Um, I remember going back home for spring break and I didn't run a step. I didn't cross train just cause I was so depressed um, about everything. And I got back to campus and, you know, I told that to my coach and he was like, you didn't do anything. Like, and you just didn't tell me. And uh, and this was actually my first season training with Robert because my first three years at Furman, I was training with a different coach that um, Chad Valio that currently coaches at Samford in Alabama, another SoCon school. And so there was actually like quite a bit of um, butting heads and back and forth, like over the course of some meetings and, you know, and, and he 
basically laid down some pretty pretty tough love and was like you you got to fix yourself up man like you know i understand that stuff happens but but you're not the only you're not the only person that's had misfortunes happen to you and i'm sorry but at some point you got to get over it you got to move on um and he said in the, uh uh robert's <laughs> he doesn't sugarcoat things so um i won't repeat his exact words because i don't want to get you guys in trouble <laughs> but um but initially like i was I was kind of just ticked that he was kind of taking like that tone with me. And, you know, and I think one thing I really respect is that tensions were rising between the two of us in that coaching relationship. And during one meeting, he was just like, you know, what? like, let's just stop this for now. Come and have dinner with me and my family, like later this week. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about things there. So I went over to his place, had, uh, had a home cooked meal, like, and just, uh, honestly, it was, it was, exactly what i needed like i think i just needed like I, I needed some some kind of like some kind of love and affection shown from him um just especially after such again such a difficult season in life that you know i remember we were eating dinner you know it was um his wife rita who's the woman's coach on the team and his son percy and you know for the while we we're eating it's we didn't even talk about running it was just like like oh what class are you doing like how is your family doing and um and then finally we'd finished we had finished, uh, he'd excuse Percy to, um, uh, do whatever kids do. I don't know, play fork knife or whatever. And then he's like, all right, you know, all this stuff is in the past. It's happened. It is what it is. How do we get you from where you are now to back to where you have been and beyond that? So, um, so we, you know, had some constructive feedback, like, you know, whether it was lifestyle things, whether it was things like, it's like, Hey, like, you know, maybe go to the counseling center or something like that. We put together, he put together a good cross train grid for me that was short and it, um, and it led to from like cross running to flat running in a pretty relatively short time. Um, and it wasn't easy. Like, cause I pretty much limped. I was limping at the beginning of almost every run that season from the point I started running in like late March through, um, early may i think so a good like six to eight weeks of of uh kind of painful running which uh in hindsight may not have been the best thing but you know ended up getting through it and still ended up qualifying to NCAAs that year after you know such a disastrous indoor season which i think says a lot, a lot about uh, robert as a coach and it took it gave me a lot of confidence in myself that i am that i was resilient enough to be able to come back from that with the proper support. No, dude, that, that is like that. Robert is an amazing coach for doing that. Like showing that mm -hmm. he doesn't like, he wants you to be successful in running, but he's not going to be upset with you. If you have like a, a bad run or whatever, he's still going to like love you and you know care for you even whenever there's those, those down times. And I think that's what like every athlete needs whenever something like that does happen and showing that the coaches like they, they care for you even outside of what's going on in a race. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's, that's really special to have. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, I can't really think of anything. Right now, so. No, I got you. No, I was good. I really like that story. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know I've me and Baxter both kind of experienced that like with a bad race and, uh, you know, you get scared, especially especially freshman year. You have a bad race, and you get scared of like um, mm. teammates or coaches judging you. And um, that because that was your first year with Robert, right? 
Yeah. So I'd been at, that was, that was my fourth year at Furman since I did mm-hmm. six years there. You know, he, he trained me for my last three, um, but that was my first year like training with him. And, and I wanted to train with him. I mean, the guy's a two-time Olympian. So, um, uh, even though like I, I, I worked really well with Chad, like he was a good coach, nothing against him at all. I, I think, uh, I like shoot, he got me to, uh, my first conversion so far as a freshman. So, um, but yeah, I really wanted to train with, with Robert and, uh, definitely kind of felt like I was letting him down with such a poor showing early on in our first season together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 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 that's where the bash was right. Like, yeah, he handled that really well. And um, you know, when when you see someone not responding to uh, you know, the tough love necessarily, and then being able to go ahead and you know invite you over for something like that, yeah, yeah. tells you a lot about something like that. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, um, it obviously worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you made a obviously went on to NCAA's that year. Um, was that was that kind of special for you to um, have gone from, you know, an, a, a race like that, you know, a point in life like that, and then, you know, be able to still go on and make NCAAs that 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 same year? <laughs> no, yeah, it, it was big. I mean, I, I, one of the Furman Elite guys that year was like, you might be the first 430 miler to ever make NCAAs. <laughs> um, you know, obviously an exaggeration, like, because that, like, I'd run faster than that, <laughs> but... You know, it's like, yeah, like that was, it was big. And, uh, you know, you just can't really anticipate the journey that you're taking um, and what kind of obstacles will be in the way. So to overcome that and I like, you know, and, and I, I will never say that I did it by myself because I didn't like, I, I, had, uh, I had great leadership with my coaches and uh, some really solid close friends and family that, uh, that helped me through those hard times. So, um, but it, it was a special one to make um, probably because it was the more, uh, well, I don't know if it was more unlikely than my sophomore year. I think my sophomore year was, that was kind of like a, oh, well, maybe in r- nine races out of 10, I wouldn't have qualified through regionals, but <laughs> thank, thank goodness it was that one out of 10 races that I did. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, going into like, we'll move on to um, you as a pro runner and everything. And like, mm-hmm. you're with Under Armour now. Um, and I know you haven't you haven't done any races for them yet, but like, how are you feeling like being with the team and like the culture and like how are the guys treating you as a like a newbie? <laughs> I mean, so far it's been pretty good. Um, uh, so like, I haven't been with around them for too long. I was in Baltimore for a couple weeks, like maybe like three weeks before we took off for flag um, in early early November. So um, got some time to get accustomed to Baltimore, and then you know we took off. So. Um, I'm like, it's been good. Like, honestly, these guys have just been dragging me through workouts because, uh, after, uh, I think in 2022, I must've missed somewhere between five and six months overall of running because just various injuries. So a lot of cross training or just sometimes being so burnt out that I had to just stop doing anything entirely. So I think one of the tough things for me at the moment is, not just adjusting to a new crew, a new training format. And, you know, we got some flag staff readjusting the altitude, but it's also doing that. We're not, where I'm not really super familiar with where my fitness is or my body is in the same way that I was when I was at Furman or my first um, fall in Atlanta, because um, I'd never had an injury that took me out for more than two or three weeks at a time prior to to early 2022 so so I, I they've been pretty gracious overall about uh about 
my adjustment period and um, same thing with Corey, like, you know, uh, we had sound cross country and it was, it was a decent race for me. I, I don't really care much for cross, especially, especially now that I'm not in college, but you know, the, the goal was get second as a team. And, uh, and even though I didn't really want to run an AK, I was like, all right, you know, I've got to do it for the boys. So, and Corey had said to me after the race, like, Hey, you know what? Like decent effort, good effort. Let's, uh, let's say three more weeks and, uh, and I think you should be acclimated to the transition, um, from where you were before with Robert to where you are now with us, which I think is fair. Um, I think it does take some time to get adjusted to new training cycles, new coaching and new teammates. So, uh, but they've been great so far. Um, I'm enjoying my time, especially after, uh, I, I love my teammates in Atlanta. They were great. Um, uh, and, but like, once I left there, I was pretty much solo from February through like September. So it was just a long time to kind of be on my own. So I really appreciate having these guys around again. That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that for you. And, uh, do you like, I mean, you don't have to answer this question, but do you feel like the Under Armour group is like more welcoming or like the culture is a little bit better than the, your former team? I think in, in some ways, yeah. Yeah. I, so like, I'd say my previous team wasn't the, they were, they were welcoming. I think part of it was that a lot of us were just so new. We had a really big signing class in 21 that we almost outnumbered the people that were already there. So when you have that many new people coming in, it's kind of hard to have that many people adapt to a culture rather than being the ones to create it. So, whereas I'm on the men's team, uh, I'm the only guy that hasn't been there for at least half of the time that this team has existed. Um, I think most of the guys have been, been with Baltimore for one or two years and it was started in, in like late 2021. So, so I think it's, there's a little bit more of a culture to adapt to rather than in Atlanta where, uh, where it's like, all right, well, like we're kind of making the culture right now. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, everyone's, everyone's focused, everyone's, uh, hard work. We're, uh, we're, we're all at different points and experiences in our career, different perspectives. And sometimes that clashes, but, you know, it's just finding a way that you can communicate that, pro- um, properly. And, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I am the new, new kid in the block. So, um, uh, I like to kind of sit back for my first couple months with a new program anyway, and just kind of see how things are before, I start interjecting, you know, my opinions because, you know, just, you know I, was, I think it's always best to, when you are new, just to kind of just go with the flow for a little bit. And once you've learned it, once you've demonstrated that you're willing to adapt, then I think it gives you more credibility when you have things to criticize or suggestions to make. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Um, I mean, I remember last year, our coach, or even this year, like with the freshmen, they said they're going to start redshirting a lot of the incoming freshmen and the, his reasoning behind it was just like it just gives them a chance to the way he the way he said it was it gives them a chance to be an intern for you mm, uh, yeah per se and it's like you know it like you can see how you know the culture is here and gives them a chance to learn without having any pressure on them when they do race and stuff like that so yeah just like yeah then not saying you know uh, that's what that's what you are because obviously you know it's not a red shirt uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, right. just um taking a couple months to like um you know get the way get the feel around things and learn the culture and the the guys and stuff like that and it sounds like sound, sound running went went really well and so um you know let's see 
happy you're able to sell it, settle in um, as well as you are. But yeah. Uh, also, um, we I think with that, uh, it's it's about that time, and it, we will ask one more question. Um, and like this can be kind of uh, like we can go in depth with this question if we want. But um, with <laughs> Under Armour, like I mean, I you are new to the um the pro team and everything but i mean y'all y'all do get you know gear and y'all are sponsored by them oh yeah so we we actually have not asked any any of y'all this yet uh but we don't really know a lot about the the running industry in in under armor so like what kind of mm -hmm. y'all get and like what what spikes do y'all race in and like how does that how does that look for y'all so that's actually one really cool thing um i'm I, i'll say and hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble like five years ago I don't think that Under Armour was really had a good running brand. I mean, I think they had like cool gear, but it was definitely, I, I think it was probably more appealing towards uh, other kind of athletes, whether that was like basketball or just weightlifters or something like that. But I think I was really happily surprised when, when I signed, cause I was, I was, I, before with Atlanta track club, um, I was with Adidas um, and they're one of the premier brands in the world and, and like they've got cool gear and uh and good spikes uh kind of not not my favorite trainers but i i found stuff that worked but i was a little wary because i'm like oh man i don't really know what i don't really know under armor's gear um but then i came here and you know like i was like or came to baltimore and i got showered with gear i got showered with shoes so they're taking i know that they're taking the shoes in a different direction but even what they have now between the Machinas and the Megas, those are kind of the two neutral shoes. Megas are a little more cushiony. Um, Machinas are kind of like your your day to day trainers. Um, I was like, man, these are like these aren't anything like like. There's no gimmicky things. There's no plates. There's nothing like that. It's just a good solid trainer. Um, and uh, I, I didn't really have many issues transitioning from brand to brand, which uh, you don't see too often. But I will absolutely praise their. I like again the shoes are great. They've got some really good flats with the um, the Velocity Elite twos that we just got are incredible. Um, the, the Velocity Elite ones were were were, uh, were also good, but now that I've seen what the twos are, it just kind of blows their first model out of the water. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but there there's there's another uh, like new trainers coming out next year um, that we got um, early models for that that are perfect for like a long run shoe. Um, and that's what I've been using them for. Um, but even when it comes to just gear in general, like, I mean, I just did not expect to have this quality of, of gear. I mean, I've never been one to kind of just rep the team kits everywhere, but I mean, shoot, I'm wearing a, a Curry sweatshirt, which I mean, as much as I'd like to hate Seth Curry because he's on the Warriors, uh, like he's cool, cool dude. And he's got some really cool, uh, really cool gear pieces in his collection. So, um, so I mean, like, it's one of, uh, you know, it's one of the most exciting parts about being a pro with whatever brand you're with, whatever sponsor you're with is that you get all this really cool gear. And I mean, with, uh, with Furman, uh, not pro, but you know, Furman collegiate, like we were Brooks and then we were Nike. So got a ton of that gear with Atlanta uh, Traffic Club was Adidas and Mizuno. Now I'm with Under Armour and I can say, even if they weren't sponsoring me, this is the coolest gear I've gotten so far. The best gear that like, I've, I'm like, man, I, I, I think it just it looks cool. It feels nice. So I was happily surprised. Like they blew my expectations out of the water.
Dude, that's awesome. That's actually, that's really cool to hear. And that's, I'm going to definitely have to take a look at all of that then. Um, and I do have to say like, do you all, does Under Armour have spikes? Yeah. So um, right now they've got the shakedowns. I'm, I'm probably not the best guy to ask about this because I haven't done a ton in spikes yet. Um, they've got like a few different models and I did get a test, a prototype uh, just during some speed development session, like a speed development session back in October and it's just another thing that i was like wow that might be one of the like comfiest spikes i've worn and i'm really excited for track season because i think we're getting those um like i don't know if they just need to clear it with like world athletics with like the regulations or whatnot i just have no no knowledge of what that is um like thankfully there's people there that do all that stuff so, so we don't have to think about it but if i'm if i'm getting like if we're getting those pairs to race in then i will be stoked because uh because it felt really nice on those strides um and i i guess i haven't used like like on par i'd say with any other brand spikes um which um and like i think that under armor's just come come a long way from where my perception of them was a few years ago to the reality of how they are now and and i think that they put a lot of good energy and resources and excited people um in charge of the run team i mean like will, will lear is uh is one of the guys that that's that's uh in charge of the, like the run team and a brand rep and obviously like he was such a prolific runner in his day he knows what he's talking about he knows um what good equipment is so when you've got guys like that that are heading up this development you're in a good spot as a brand and you're doing the right thing so so i, I think it'd be cool to see more people repping those uh like repping under armor on their on their feet and you know like it's it'll take a lot to get the sway the majority away from their swishes or stripes but um so far as someone that's experienced uh all three of those things like i i say that there's no decrease in quality and so far in my experience like i would be a big big advocate for um for the gear so yeah that is i'm i'm very excited now to go look at all this and uh go do yeah go do my own little research and hopefully get a couple pairs of shoes from from y'all yeah, yeah, same here. I, I didn't know anything about Nero. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. That's that's really yeah. cool. But yeah, I mean, this seems like a pretty good place to wrap up. So, um, Ryan, man, thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of fun with this conversation. And, uh, you know, I hope sure. you've enjoyed talking to us as well. Um, but yeah, so for everyone listening, thank you so much. And we will catch you all next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And we'll catch you all next week.